Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad to be with you today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. And our subject today is on spirit. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 16 and 152 of miscellaneous writings. Being his likeness and image, man must reflect the full dominion of spirit, even its supremacy over sin, sickness, and death. May meekness, mercy, and love dwell forever in the hearts of those who worship in this tabernacle. Then will they receive the heritage that God has prepared for his people, made ready for the pure in affection, the meek in spirit, the worshiper in truth, the follower of good. Thus founded upon the rock of Christ, when storm and tempest beat against this pure foundation, you safely sheltered in the strong tower of hope, faith, and love are God's nestling. And he will hide you in his feathers till the storm has passed. Into his haven of soul there enters no element of earth to cast out angels, to silence the right intuition which guides you safely home. Exercise more faith in God and his spiritual means and methods than in man and his material ways and means of establishing the cause of Christian science. If right yourself, God will confirm his inheritance. Be not weary in well-doing. Truth is restful and love is triumphant. Mary very beautiful. Thank you. No element of earth to cast out his angels. Yeah. All right. Watching point. Watch number 210. Watch lest you attempt to pull down some of the main foundation stones in your spiritual building simply because they appear to be human. Actually, they are to be applied spiritually and must be restored to their rightful category and understanding. Expectancy is a very important quality in Christian science that mortal belief should not be permitted to tamper with. Expectancy is the open door through which all good flows into man. But the humanizing of expectancy so that it becomes the agency through which animal magnetism brings forth its brood of evils, must be nullified so that expectancy shines forth alone as a, go- as a God-given medium. A sick man is apt to pray to God for health without expectancy and then to wonder why his prayer is not answered. <clears throat> Yet God is already pouring forth all that man needs and more than he can ever excuse me, comprehend. The sick man's expectancy that nothing will result from his prayer is greater than his hope of a change coming through spiritual means. Expectancy, therefore, must be taken from the grasp of false belief and cherished as a God-given quality. Then man will find that he will daily expect and reflect more and more the presence of good. It's beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Uh, cherished as a God-given quality. Okay, comments from anyone? Well, I was thinking um, when I was looking over the lesson uh, um, before choosing this, I um the, the woman who had the issue of blood and knew that all she had to do was just touch the hem of Jesus' garment 
certainly had expectancy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and Jesus, you know, every time he saw it, he said, Lazarus, you know, thank you, God, for I know you've already heard my prayer. There's expectancy. So, you know, I just, uh, it's definitely a God-given quality. And I just asking myself this week, do I have that same expectancy that those two examples, you know? Um, so just think about that this week a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. You know, that is why I think Jesus was always looking for faith. In a way, faith is just what we're talking about. It's expectancy. Do you expect to be healed? I know when I first came here, that was one thing Mrs. Evans, you know, was working with, with me because she said I didn't really expect to be healed. I had been brought up in the Boston science, for lack of better word, and I hadn't had many healings. You know, problems just went on and on and on. So there was something in me that did not expect to be healed. And she really worked on that with me. She gave me that passage in Psalms about your expectancy is from the Lord, from God, not from the human situations, not from looking at your body. But yes, because God is good, you can expect all good in your life. And I can remember the first um, article I ever wrote was on that, on expectancy. Couldn't find it. I guess I wrote it so long ago it disappeared. But most important, and I love the fact because I never really thought about that. It's God-given. Uh, it's not just something you have to try to be expectant. But God gives it to you just like he gives everything else to you. It's natural and normal to expect good natural and normal and watch yourself because if you're not getting your healing it might be because you don't expect to get healed it's you just don't and that's why when you seem to experience something other than perfect good you, you keep at it you persist you demand the good you demand the blessing this is not something that you just sit back and wait for God to deliver on a silver platter. It's something that we work for. When the challenges come, and they always do, as we all know, you rise up in rebellion against them and demand the blessing. And if you have that fervor within you to demand the blessing, it will come. That's a promise because it's God's law. Could I add something to this? Certainly. I was looking in the Science and Health on page 206, the 1910 version. Can there be any birth or death for man, the spiritual image and likeness of God? Instead of God sending sickness and death, he destroys him and brings to light immortality and this idea of brings to light is really important to what you both just said and also the previous readings uh, from Florence and also the watch omnipotent and infinite mind made all and includes all this mind does not make mistakes and subsequently correct them God does not cause man to sin to be sick or to die thank you thank you very much but what a treasure we have in science and health. It's it's all there. Um, when I was looking for my other article, I, I did find an article I, I did write. I'm not sure what the name of it is, but I think it's infused with inner strength or something like that. Um, where I I spoke about how I used to dread things. You know, dread is not a good word. I, I, oh, I think, oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to do this tomorrow or something, you know, how it is. So if you find yourself dreading something, you've got to question what it is and why. Um, dread's another word for fear or anyway. Anyway, that dread is not of God, and you should not be putting up with dreading anything. And it was that time, and I've given this before, but I love it so much, 
um, what I found in the Amplified Bible's version from Philippians 4. It says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And then the Amplified version, I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength in me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So when I would think about anything I dreaded, I would turn to that passage and know that I, with all things, with Christ, all things are possible. And whatever it was I was dreading, I didn't need to. I could do it because God, God is with me. So we mustn't dread. And also, that's what is that? That is definitely not expecting good. Right? You're expecting evil. <laughs> negative expectancy. Negative expectancy. Yes, negative expectancy. Thank you. That's what this I need. Oh. Go ahead, Florence. No, I mean, you know, it makes you. This this expectancy of bad it makes you even lose the joy that you should be having in the moment. In the moment, I mean, I would go. We would go be be somewhere where I should be having fun, and I'm oh something is going, is going to happen. And sure enough, it happened because <laughs> even my thinking was in the future bad happening, and sure enough, that's what I got. So I learned. <laughs> to do better. I mean, it's just not right. You lose the, the fun, the joy that God is giving you in any moment. Expecting, you know, you. <laughs> so true. And, you know, people that do things, um, the doers in life, they have positive expectancy. Their expect expectancies from God, even maybe if they don't know it or not. But, yeah, because if you're always predicting the worst Oh, I can't do this because it won't work out, or I can't do that because it'll be terrible. I mean, then you end up paralyzed and not doing anything. And then nothing would ever get invented. Yep. <laughs> nothing would ever get improved. <laughs> Can you imagine life where everybody had a negative expectancy? <laughs> I, I was also thinking about the rule for motives and acts where Mrs. Eddy says the members of this church should daily watch and pray to be delivered from all evil, from prophesying, judging, condemning. So prophesying, you know, there are people just go around saying, well, if I eat this, this is going to happen. Or if I overexercise, this is going to happen. They just, they already set up, like Florence was saying, they already set up uh, the expectancy or the prophecy, or only prophesying something the bad that's going to happen. And that's an evil, you know. She says, watch it every day, pray and watch. So when the watch says, you know, um, expectancy is an open, um, take it out of the hands of, of humanizing of expectancy that so that it becomes the agency through which animal magnetism brings forth its brutes of evil must be nullified. So that expectancy shines forth alone as a God-given medium. So we're supposed to be handling that every day, but we're not expecting or prophesying something to happen that we don't want to have happen. Thank you. That's wonderful. Those are good examples how we do it, inadvertently or not inadvertently. But we're, yeah, predicting danger and every, seeing danger around every single corner. Um, go ahead. Oh, I, the... All the talk of expectancy in the watch this week reminded me of what Mrs. Eddy says in Day. Quote, I, I tell you truth when I say there is only one source of all good, God. The conscious recognition and acceptance of this fact acknowledged by every activity of the mind, not two or three times a day, but every few moments all day long, no matter what the outer self is doing, and this maintained, will enable anyone to express his perfect freedom and dominion over all things human. So. Thank you. That's one of my Excellent. very favorite quotes. Excellent. I love that. From Mrs. Eddy. Overcoming. Also, I don't, Go ahead. Okay. I don't, uh, I don't know. I think it's Mrs. Eddy or Bicknell Young. I'm not sure right now. But 
It says, don't take off your glasses and then believe in the fact that you can't see. It's no, it doesn't make any sense. Um, the believing is the, is the problem. What are you believing in? You're taking all, you know, I, oh, no, I don't need this. But then you stop believing in it. That's not good. Yes. And don't we see all around us the effect of a negative expectation? Mm -hmm. People people don't expect good, so they make a god of something else. They look to something or someone else to take care of them instead of instead of expecting God to care for them. And that is how we get into trouble. And they plan for death and justify it with heredity. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. All this planning all this for dying stuff. and going to these places to live and expecting all this negative stuff. Um, somewhere Mrs. Eddy has said, your premonitions will save you. Now, what is that? The expectancy of good will take you. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's spirit, your spiritual sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's different. If you get something, neg- you know, or even reading something in the paper or whatever, um, you you handle it. Um, maybe it's God speaking to you that there's something you must do. To handle it, that's a little. That's different. That's God talking mm-hmm. to you. That's not expecting evil. That's a, a premonition. Is a warning from God, and they will save you. She says. So, and it's a different thing. It's not something you've conjured up. It's something that will come to you, like not to go somewhere today, or or something like that. Yeah, recognizing the difference between inspiration and imagination is very important. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, Elsie had sent us uh, something a while ago. It was a Native American um, saying. We'd had it as, and it's a calendar statement, and it's give thanks for the unknown blessings already on their way. Mm-hmm. And that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's really being expectant and expecting good. Um, along with this discussion today, there are a couple of chapters in the Martha Wilcox Association addresses that are very important. One is overcoming by obedience. And, and this is how, these are ways we're going to talk about today, how to live a more spiritual life when we're surrounded seemingly by all this matter. And Mrs. Mrs. Wilcox says, Jesus considered it of paramount importance that each individual should overcome the material concept of his individual world. Or each individual should translate man and the universe back into spirit. In Science and Health, Mrs. Eddy says, the material senses and human conceptions would translate spiritual ideas into material beliefs. That's what we've been talking about with the watching point. And these misconceptions must all give place to the spiritual fact at hand. And this is accomplished through obedience to our highest concept of truth. So it's what we have to do on a day-by-day basis. It's what um, the beautiful quote that Jeremy read by Mrs. Eddy. As these suggestions come to you to see things negatively to see things humanly you translate them no that's not the truth of it um just as a negative expectancy the right idea is your expectancy being from god so this is a translation of what seems to be matter back into spirit the original state that we read about in the first um chapter in genesis It says, um, so-called mortal man is the sum total of the material thoughts that make up superstitious consciousness or a material selfhood. But Mrs. Eddy teaches that there is no selfhood apart from God, because God and man are coexistence as one being. And if there is no selfhood apart from God, 
selfhood present here must be God, no matter how it appears. Enoch proved this. Enoch saw no evil or sin. He saw the appearance called matter and even death as the formless mist that flees or dissolves before the light of the sun. He so focused the penetrating rays of omnipotent truth upon his seeming material selfhood that it dissolved and vanished from human view. By so doing, Enoch lived and moved and had his being in God and experienced the consciousness of eternal life. Thus must all mankind do to live. And then she goes on to say, if we're living rightly in this way, moment by moment, uh, we won't ever be pressured. We won't even be taken, you know, like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Or uh, because it's it's just the way we think it's the way of life. Uh, so if something so-called big or dramatic comes along, we we won't get all uptight and upset about it. We'll just know the truth, just as the story of David and Goliath, right? Here's this big Goliath carrying on day and night, day and night, and um, scaring everybody to death, everybody in a negative state, fearing what was going to happen, dreading what was going to happen. And along comes this shepherd boy who had been, what? And he was victorious. Yes, and he'd overcome era in the small ways, right? Yeah, he grounded on the rock. Yes, so he was not impressed. And also he saw mainly this this man was godless. He was talking against God. How could this, this huge thing have any power? He knew it didn't. And he ran to meet it, right? He ran to meet it. We talk about that. He wasn't, oh, my gosh, can I do it or not? He knew he, he could do it. He wasn't dreading it. He wasn't <laughs> dreading it. He, he enjoyed the challenge. Mm-hmm. Kind of figure after smoting the lion, that's that <laughs> what must be next. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. He said, it says in this, because this speaks about this in overcoming obedience. David did not hesitate or fear to go out to meet Goliath because he acknowledged no place where God's law is not in operation. He knew that God alone is supreme in heaven and in earth. And then this is very important, too, in this chapter. How large was Goliath, really? How much to be feared when such a small missile as a little round stone understandingly wielded, could destroy him. It was not a giant the hosts of Israel feared, but it was their misconception that almighty power had its source in a giant. Through their wrong thinking, they saw the power of life and intelligence in person. And this wrong thinking controlled both armies for 40 days. They gave Goliath a power he did not possess. Mrs. Eddy says, Era comes to you for life, and you give it all the power it has. And then, I love this, are we really aware of how much of the time we give power to life and intelligence in persons, weighing and fearing what personal man will think or say or do unto us? This is all unscientific thinking, and we should overcome it by the reflection of the thinking that is the activity of the divine mind. In Christian science, there is no personal selfhood. The only selfhood is God, and every individual man reflects him. So, Well, I I had remembered a quote thinking about the Jesus going into the temptations and it's from Una Willard. I think it's from her 1944 address. And it says when Jesus dismissed all temptation to to desire personal and isolated good for himself, angels came and ministered unto him. Hmm. And 
you know, David David wasn't worried about preserving him, his own self either. So he had lost his sense is. of self. Yes, that's so good. And that is also in this, this article, Overcoming and Obedience. He said one of the big trip ups of not um, becoming more spiritually minded or progressing is this desire to be great or to be above others. And it's a personal sense of yourself. It's a false sense of pride and achievement, and you will fall flat on your face. If David went out there saying, wow, I'm everybody's going to see what I can do. <laughs> I'm going to knock this guy right down. He we would have, have no idea who he was. <laughs> it would, it would never, the story would not be being told. So it is getting rid of a false sense of self. So, um, so anyway, that's a very important article to know, to love, to study. Also, scientific translations in in the Martha Wilcox book. So Sharon, what did you write about um, the carnal mind? Well, in Romans it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And I looked up enmity, and it says the quality of being an enemy the opposite of friendship, ill will, hatred, unfriendly dispositions, malevolence. And um, the carnal mind is an enemy. Malevolence, which is personal hatred, evil dispositions towards another, enmity, enmity of heart, inclination to injure others. This is not cream puffs at 20 paces. <laughs> Mrs. Evans used to tell us that. <laughs> this is war. The carnal mind is out to destroy. It wants to rob us of all our blessings. It causes inharmony, illness, greed, and want of power. It is trying to convince you that it is powerful. It is a law. It is a good thing but it's only a belief. God is the only power. The law of God is perfect. It gives peace, harmony, happiness. Love is the answer, and love is the victor. Thank you. Very good. So remember that. <laughs> we can get rid of it just with a tiny little stone of truth aimed at it understandingly, Arthur Wilcox says. Don't be impressed. It wants you to. It wants you to yield before it. Give it life and power. Give it life and power, which it does not have. And remember, too, this is always, as I've spoken about before, this is this is the enemy. It's not person, place, or thing. It's not gender. It's not race. It's not this or that or anything else. It's this. It's this carnal mind, okay? And anyone can be in it. And many people are not in it. They're out of it. And they're living very spiritual lives. And it doesn't matter what they look like, okay, <laughs> or where they're from or anything. It just matters that they are reflecting the Father. That's all that ever matters. We get so hung up on everything else. It's a carnal mind we're at war against. Go ahead. Uh, it reminds me of when I was first calling the practitioner. I brought up a few things. And she just said, I'm not impressed by that. And it, it like made me laugh after a while because I didn't realize that that was an option. Not to, not to be impressed by it. So what a joy it is to let that go. Well, what a freedom, right? Absolutely. Love is the liberator. Truth is the liberator. And what is the carnal mind anyway? I mean, what are we talking about here? Selfishness. Non-existent nonsense. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about our own imagination, imagining that there is some power or some source of knowledge other than God. Right? Even that yeah. God's not going to take care of us is the carnal mind. Exactly. Because if you think God's not going to take care of you, you're going to look somewhere else and make a God of something that is not a God. I mean, we have way, 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 way too many people making a God of our government. 
for example. And look what a mess it is in as a result. Mrs. Day said in the first edition of Science and Health that wisdom is not gained from the knowledge that brought sin, disease, and death into the world. And I really love that. It's just a good, yes. good quick reminder. Yes. Stay out of it. Stay out of it. The answers are not there. And, you know, we're told to imbibe the spirit. And the word imbibe means to drink in, to absorb, to receive into the mind and retain. So all those things of the spirit, we are to imbibe. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But first, as far as the carnal mind goes, we um, pond in purpose. Very important. Chapter 7 and miscellaneous writings. And the, the first is the baptism of repentance, a stricken state of human consciousness wherein mortals gain severe views of themselves, a state of mind that rends the veil that hides mental deformity. Tears flood the eyes, agony struggles, pride rebels, and a mortal sense seems a monster, a dark, impenetrable cloud of error. Falling on bended knee, humble before God, he cries, save or I perish. Then truth, searching the heart, neutralizes and destroys error. Okay, this is the process of getting rid of the carnal mind. First, you have to recognize you have it, <laughs> which is sometimes not easy to do. We deceive ourselves, especially if you've been raised in science. You think you're doing everything perfectly. I mean, this was a lot of my problem. I thought, well, I don't, I don't think I'm that, but I was that. All my fear and negativity was that. Zazetti um, has said, never leave anything in the negative. Never, ever leave anything in the negative. So that's the first um, baptism. And these are our baptisms. These are the Christian science baptisms. And these are what's important. The second the baptism of the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth, cleansing from all sin, giving mortals new motives, new purposes, new affections, all pointing upward. So once that's that process of getting rid of the ugliness of your carnal mind must precede this. I like the Holy Ghost because without it, people don't realize that they have failed. There is a power from God that will work with them or through them. And when Jesus came with the Holy Ghost, he we did wonderful things. All sorts of people were healed. All right. So whenever anyone is likewise baptized or with that spirit, Holy Ghost, they have an energy and a drive and a good purpose. It does wonderful things. Thank you so much. That's so true. This is the ridding your what's your sense of personal self and letting this. Holy Spirit come in you, through you, um, and it's amazing. It's just wonderful. And that's why it's so important in this lesson and the responsive reading, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So when people tell me about all the things they can't do, I heartily agree with them. Because they can't. <laughs> and neither can I. And neither can I. And neither can any of us. Our sufficiency is of God. and we. But we have to purge ourselves from that um, carnal mind stuff. And then we don't go on and on and on and on and feel so guilty and carry on for years. And, you know, as, as we've talked about, when Saul was converted to Paul, he realized his mistakes. He repented. And then he got on with it. And so must we. So that's a beautiful section, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then third, the baptism of spirit, or final immersion of human consciousness in the infinite ocean of love. And that's very beautiful as well. So another good chapter to study, to know how we can imbibe this spirit. And have that Holy Ghost work through us. We lose all sense of personality and we become, we're formed anew. 
and we and, and this is not a magic show. This is our recognizing who we really are and what we really are. It, it's nothing more or less than the truth being revealed to us in the way we live. And when you realize that it is reality and that the material way of life and all the material beliefs and all the other fears and so forth that you thought were governing you are unreality, you drop them and you become a different you become a different person, but you, you actually become who you really are. Yes, you become what God made. Exactly. And you drop off of this false sense, and it is just dropping it off like an old garment. Um, That's the foundation stones in your material building that you get rid of. Yes. And that this is living in the spirit. You know, we get so hung up on matter. What's matter? Why is there matter? Why do we say there's no such thing as matter? Just drop all that. Okay, just stop it. Just stop it. You're focusing on something that's not real anyway. So just please stop it. I get that question so often. Focus on this. Focus on the enduring, the good, and the true. Focus on what is real. Focus on this idea of obedience. Um overcoming by obedience okay overcome matter by obedience to god start living this truth start doing all those things we just talked about and matter will become less and less to you it'll fade out but if you focus on matter and always oh what's with matter what's this matter stuff <laughs> you're looking up the wrong <laughs> you're barking up the wrong tree That's what it is. <laughs> barking up the wrong tree so just please stop i used to do that it's just a waste of time the less you think of matter the better off you are um jim Dibble used to say love to say that matter doesn't matter yeah, oh. thank you matter matter doesn't right. matter yes so so but however prove it However, prove it and don't go around quoting it and saying things you haven't proven, especially to new people who and they will challenge you. They will say, well, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> what are your fruits? OK, Shardell, tell us about your oh, meekness. Uh, first, I thought the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, which is patience and gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. I've loved this for a long time. And I picked meekness this time because I was thinking about it. And because I'm learning that in meekness and, and uh, that you do, you do become strong. Meekness and obedience are closely aligned. This is from Irma Stewart. Poised in oneness, its fruits are quietness and assurance forever. It never underestimates its worth, and yet it appears to minister and not in order to be ministered unto. The meek, the gentle, the spiritually poised thought is endowed with dominion over all the earth. Yes. Thank you. That's very beautiful. Spiritually poised thought. You're poised in the spirit. That means you're not all jumbled up in matter. And believe me, if you're living a material-minded life and, you know, you're going to the gym to improve your body and you're eating certain things to improve your body and you're just always thinking about matter and you're ambitious and at work and all of that, well, you know, you're not going to get the fruit of the spirit. You've got to really value it so much. Um, one of the quotes, Nancy sent this in. Um, the second quote, key of God's household. You want to read that? Oh, yes, sure. Mm -hmm. That's from uh, Mrs. Eddie's message uh, for 1901. Key of God's household, who loveth and liveth most the things of spirit, receiveth them most. He speaketh wisely, for the spirit of his father speaketh through him. He worketh well and healeth quickly, 
for the spirit giveth him liberty. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And it's just beautiful. Yes, message for taking yes. on. And mm-hmm. uh, of God's household, in the Father's house, okay? In the Father's house. And you love it and liveth most the things of spirit. What's important to you? Is it loving your neighbor as yourself? Or is it accumulating matter or, or money or all of that? So remember, live in the Father's house and loveth and liveth most the things of spirit. That should be most important to you. And go ahead, Nancy, give us the, the definition of liberty. Okay. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And in Webster's uh, 1828 Dictionary, uh, liberty is freedom from restraint. And it said when the body is at liberty when not confined. The will or mind is at liberty when not checked or controlled. It is a state of exemption from the controls of others. And I loved that we're exempt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't let any other thing... Any pressure, any person, any business, any anything control you. You come under the control of the divine mind. The more you know it and live it, the more your body will be just run smoothly, your household will run smoothly because everything is governed by God. We say that a lot. Oh, God governs me. Well, are you living it? Think about it during the day. That's the overcoming by obedience. You must obey the laws of God. Are you living up to the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments? You can't be here, there, and everywhere and expect to reap the benefits. And the the other that's so beautiful in this thought, in order to have liberty, what must you have? The Spirit of the Lord. Yes. (laughs) The Spirit of the Lord. That is the only reason, as much as we have done that in America, we have had liberty. As much as we have obeyed the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount and and been living in the spirit of the Lord, we've had freedom. As we've talked about, it's why the pilgrims came here, for, for freedom. As much as we don't do that and try to control others, and restrict others and uh, all of that, we lose our freedom. And it would appear in many ways we are because of our disobedience. But that doesn't mean it can't be turned around and turned around quickly. Because one of the articles Carrie sent was about this. It was about reflection. She said, you know, when you were, the article said, when you reflect, it doesn't, you, it's not like it first comes into view or first it's all blurry and, you know, it's just there, right? It's there in all its splendor. So reflect God and and know our, our country and all nations do. And as much as any nation is expressing the spirit of God, there is liberty. And that's the truth. That's the truth about it. The counterfeit is that we don't and we haven't and we won't. <laughs> but we have to annul that in our prayers and watches. That he says we can turn it once. We can turn it once. Thank you. Uh, Red uh, Red Sea swallowed up everything that was uh, trying to take liberty. Yes. Yeah, there was a um, commentary about that, about how Pharaoh was getting bolder and bolder and bolder against the children of Israel. And he had first repented and said, oh, he's so sorry. He was going to let him free. But then, nope, he changed his mind. So he went tearing out after them. And what happened? They were swollen up by the water. Yep. Yep. And that's what will happen. His pride destroyed everything. Don't don't hang on to error while it's being self-destroyed. Yes. (laughs) Now, to get back in a way to what Chardell was writing about, the fruit of the Spirit. It's so important we understand this. Um... And in the Bible, 
in in the, I guess it's I think it's Ephesians or anywhere somewhere you know where God or Jesus is talking about He's the vine. No, I guess it's in John, and we're the branches. Um, and we bear fruit. Okay, bearing fruit is very different than producing fruit. This is again our sufficiency is all in God. We bear fruit. And it, it speaks often, too, in this chapter about abiding in the Christ. This is how you bear the fruit. Staying in the Father's house. You bear the fruit. You don't produce it. If you're trying to produce it, which is what I thought I was supposed to do, I thought I was supposed to be loving, joyful, peaceful, long-suffering, gentle, good, and faithful. Meekness and temperance. You can't try to do those things. You get yourself out of the way and you bear that fruit as the Holy Ghost, God, is working through you. And that's because these are not human things. You can't humanly do them. These are divine qualities that get expressed humanly and felt humanly. As we as we reflect the divine, that these are divine qualities, and the people who we feel most strongly about, either attracted to if we're in the right mind, <laughs> or rebuked by <laughs> if we need a rebuke, are those who are reflecting the divine qualities, and it just comes out. It just comes out. It can't help but come out in their lives. And if you're reflecting the divine qualities that God is, you won't be able to keep from having these qualities come out in your life. You just can't help it. You don't have to work at it. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah, yeah, they just bubble forth. They bubble forth. And you will find you are seeing God everywhere and in everything. And that you will love everybody and everything that you see. You just can't help it. And it, it's John 15. And I, I love this so much. Uh, Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Goes back to our sufficiency being in God. And it is this uh, peaceful abiding. It's not pushing and carrying on and racing around doing this, that, and the next thing. It's peaceful abiding is what brings about bearing the fruit. And it just happens. And you will be in the right place at the right time. You will say the right thing at the right time. And things will unfold in your life rather than accretion where you're adding on and running around and wanting this and wanting that. No, unfoldment. It's, it's a tremendous way of living. But it, it's, as Gary said originally, it's, you're, it's not just handed to you. You've got to work at it, overcoming by obedience during your day. And this is living in the spirit. And bearing the fruits of spirit. Because when you live in the spirit, you abide. How many times is that, you know, in the in the Bible about abiding? You abides in the secret place of the Most High. Living in the Father's house. Abiding in that constant oneness with the Father. All these fruits will come forth. They will they will just come forth from you, not because you have produced them. You haven't worked at producing them. They're there because God is there. And then, then as the lesson brings out, too, you'll have this spiritual sense. You'll just know things. And your human faculties will not <clears throat> grow old. This is that he says we should be getting better, stronger, more beautiful in every way. Now we will conclude with a beautiful article by Mildred Bean, and I believe that she was uh -huh. Eustace's secretary. Yeah. A, a relative, I think. 
and she was the one who had that wonderful healing about um, there is no death. It's in our website. All right. It's a beautiful article that Carrie sent. This is from a 1921 Sentinel, and the title of the article is Our Sufficiency. The moment we set aside... The moment we set self aside and understand that we can of ourselves do nothing or realize, as did Paul, when he said in his letter to the Corinthians, quote, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, end quote. Then and then only are we assured of the success in which discouragement If, for example, we should be endeavoring to grasp some line of work or study which we have not undertaken before, it should be done with the understanding that nothing can be new to the one mind, which man as the Son of God expresses, and therefore that the particular endeavor is but an unfoldment of the knowledge man already has. And what is there that can claim to withhold or retard the unfoldment of this knowledge? It is nothing but a belief that we ourselves are trying to grasp something which is wholly unfamiliar and difficult. A belief which says that success depends entirely upon one's own capabilities. Nothing could be more erroneous than a notion of this kind. Man knows all now because his sufficiency is of God. Over and over again, Jesus tells us that he himself was not responsible for the good he did, but that it was God the Father who worked in him. And he also said that each and every one of us could do the same things and even greater. With God as man's sufficiency, what right has a person to limit himself? for a moment, to any amount of intelligence or good. To do this would be the same as admitting a weakness in him who already knows all. We must examine our thoughts, be alert, and as we read in 2 Timothy, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. On the other hand, we must never forget that God is love, who expresses his love in his care and watchful guidance of his creation. The second stanza of hymn 149 in the Christian Science Hymnal expresses most beautiful this thought, quote, Wherever he may guide me, no want shall turn me back. My shepherd is beside me, and nothing can I lack. His wisdom ever waketh, his sight is never dim. He knows the way he taketh, and I will walk with him. End quote. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much.